0: what's so important when you're building a platform like this is the initial infrastructure how do you set up the infrastructure because this sets uh the template and the premise uh, and the interface of how all of our future advanced features uh get implemented by our users and so as we're vi- revisiting some of the old no code tools that we try we're like oh i wonder if they've like improved that logic to make it easier and it's like oh no they can't because that's that was really the foundation of how they built it
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Low-Code Podcast. Today, we have Nancy Liu with us. She is a founder. She started, grew, and sold a business, and now she's in the no-code or low-code space. The interesting thing about Nancy is that she's not building apps using no-code tools, but actually building a no-code or low-code tool. And that's what I want to get into uh, on this podcast and learn why she ended up in the no-code space or low-code space uh, and what she's seeing as a founder building a product for businesses to to work better, probably. So Nancy, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Jesus.
1: So why don't you start telling us a little bit more about yourself, where you came from, like a little bit about the business that you grew and sold.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I grew up in Colorado. I went to school at UC Berkeley. And when I was at Berkeley, I loved filming all sorts of random stuff, whether it was apps or websites. Uh, It was, you know, helping What was your
1: major? Computer science?
0: Uh, Yeah. So I actually went and majoring, uh, intending to major in nuclear engineering. Ultimately, I actually double majored in business and political economy uh, instead, uh, but had a lot of, you know, obviously took uh, a lot of engineering classes, had a lot of fun building just random apps and stuff to you know make money on the side. And so one of the you know apps I made I, I joke with founders is you know you're not an entrepreneur until you start a failed dating app. And that's exactly what <laughs> we like did in college. We built
1: so many apps. dating apps. Yeah it's it's crazy.
0: Yep, that's that's exactly right. Uh, and so right out of college, um not even finishing college quite yet. It was a week of graduation. I meet this guy who uh, is this brilliant guy named David. And he has this idea um, for a smarter, interactive digital signage software. So basically, you know, screens that you can speak to and interact with. Um, and so he was like, hey, I want was to that, build... Was it.
1: that a unique idea? Did that already exist in the market he, and he saw an opportunity? Or was that like a novel idea that he had?
0: That was probably, I mean, there's probably various forms of it, but he wanted to do it at scale. And there's nobody that was doing yeah. that at scale.
1: Um, and okay. so he was like,
0: hey, I'm looking for a CEO and co-founder to go and build this. And I was like, all right, sure, why not? Um, and so, you know, his background was he was a MIT dropout turned professional poker player. Um, and he made millions of dollars by the time he was 21 years old. Uh, so okay. I was very impressed with him. And so I was like, all right, let's 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 go build this thing. So that turned uh, into Implug. Ultimately, we were not the ones that were putting up screens anywhere. We were actually just the underlying software for anyone that wanted um, to have uh, real-time content showing on screens, dynamic content. So when we sold the company last year... We were one of the largest companies in the space. We were certainly the innovator in the space, and we powered screens in Fortune 500 companies, into all the way to elevators, manufacturing facilities, banks, universities. Uh, you likely, when you walked into any kind of you know major corporate office, we were pa- probably powering a screen there.
1: That's pretty cool. And how, why did you decide to join him because of his track record with the uh, with his poker history, or uh, well, I mean, you, you, based on what you said earlier, that you were building apps and websites, you always had this entrepreneurship like bug inside of you. Like you wanted to make new things. You never envisioned like a traditional nine to five career.
0: I think I very much thought it was never going to be a nine-to-five career. I think I wanted some kind of career that was really intense and was making most use. Um, And so I had the opportunity, a a lot of friends uh, went to work full-time in investment banking. That was sort of one of the highest-paying jobs you can get right out of college. And so my summer internship was actually in investment banking at Goldman Sachs. And all my friends thought it was really crazy that I wasn't going to go do that. Instead, I was going Mm -hmm. to take zero dollars and go start my own company. Uh, But I think at the time, I mean, I grew up not having a lot. And so for me, I didn't need money. Money didn't really drive me because I had a very loving family. I was always able to just, you know, figure out how to make enough money that I could, uh, you know, have food and shelter. Yes. And beyond that, I just want to do what I love. And so I think meeting David and what spoke to me was really actually his entrepreneurial skills. I thought the idea was really cool. Um, I had actually at the time already signed on to be essentially employee number one at the startup that one of my engineering uh, TAs uh, had started. They had gone okay. through Y Combinator. They had really fancy okay. investments. I actually worked there for one day uh, and realized, you know what, I don't <laughs> think uh, this company is going to really work out. They ultimately mm. didn't, but I just didn't think the space was exciting. Okay. So I think I was okay. looking almost for an excuse to jump on the right. next thing and and uh, right. for David to come in and say, Hey, here's, here's what it is. I was like, yes, absolutely. But I was out of college, did no market research on the industry uh, and okay. just dive you know, right in, which is very different than now starting Blaze, where we did lots of research, were very thoughtful, right. did tons of alpha customer interviews before building our product. I think I'm taking lots of learnings and mistakes that I made in my Mm -hmm. first company um, into making sure that Blaze is successful and that we have very, you know, just right in even the early days that we can build a solid uh, V1 product. But definitely took many years to to get there.
1: Right. And then at the previous company, you were the CEO, right? So... Were you mainly, I mean, you started the business, so probably you started doing a lot of things and eventually you hired people and had a larger team. But originally, what did you like the most? Did you like the selling part, the building the product, the let's say the financial admin stuff? What is your favorite part of uh, that first few months or years of being in business?
0: The first few months, we actually had a number of co-founders. Like Right off the bat, within a couple of months, our team size grew to 10 people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I would say it was a lot of the excitement we were able to get in the tech community in Los Angeles. We had just fantastic people uh, joining us. Um, and my main responsibility was fundraising. It was all about how do we okay. pay the bills. I had Open. a co-founder cool. who was the CTO who was in charge of development. I had... co-founder who was in charge of design. I had a co-founder that was in charge of the -the on-the-ground operations getting uh, customers because at the time, you know, when you haven't built up um, the reputation or the digital footprint, you don't have inbound leads. And Mm -hmm, so we had mm -hmm. to so, you know, door to door, literally knocking on right. uh, the doors of business and saying, hey, would you like a screen to show, you know, digital menus? Or do you want a screen to show interactive social media where people are at your location buying something and they post it and it'll automatically show up on the screen? So that was the pitch. And then for mm. me, it, was, I and was it going wasn't through.
1: something that existed already, right?
0: No, no. So we you were like to-
1: creating a new category, which is extremely hard.
0: We were, we were building the software from scratch. Now, what did exist is the digital signage software industry. So That was right. a very outdated uh, industry right. where we looked at software that was in this industry. We're like, oh my goodness, this is so old school. This is so difficult to use. You have to be an engineer to use something as simple as digital signage, just putting content on screens and managing lots of screens at one time. And we were all millennials. Our expectation is that mm-hmm. you have a device like a iPhone and you just know how to use it. You don't need to have an instruction manual. And for digital signage, it was like instruction manuals and documentation. Uh, And so for us, it's funny that you
1: mentioned that because I remember like years ago on on Mexico City driving through and these newish digital signs were broken and then you could see that they were running like Windows 94 or something, right? And that was in the, I don't know, two thousand and ten. Uh, and it was like, dude, why are you running like this outdated piece of software for this thing? Mm-hmm. It's broken and you can see the Windows page and you're no longer seeing the ad. So, yeah, I mean, clearly it was like ready for disruption.
0: Yes, absolutely. Did your clients
1: understand that right away? Was it a, was it a hard sale?
0: So in the early days, I would say a lot of the folks that we worked with were just installing screens and some of them... Um, In 2012, 2013, we actually had to help them install Wi-Fi in their location. Like these were restaurants and retail stores that didn't have Wi-Fi. Now it's like we go anywhere and they absolutely have Wi-Fi. But believe it or not, 2012, 2013, that was not the case. So we had to even help them. Now, as time moved on, 2014, 2015, 2016 – uh, we went and uh, went into bigger and bigger companies. And so then we started replacing existing old school solutions. So okay. uh, at the end, you know, when we sold the company, it was uh, a Fortune 500 company would say, hey, we have 10,000 screens. We want to replace the software. Uh, can you guys do that? And so right. that's then what was a lot more common or they're very familiar. They had done tons of research. I'll give you an example. Kone, one of the largest elevator companies in the world. They spent two years researching all of the digital, uh, different digital signage software companies out there because they needed one digital signage software to actually power all the future elevator screens that they were manufacturing. And so we became their partner uh, where, uh, you know, the elevator whatever floor you were on, all the way to any emergency alert systems, all the way to the weather and other mm-hmm. info and content on the screen. We were powering that. Uh, and so those were ultimately the clients that we got. But in the early days, it was it was really boots on the ground.
1: Right, right, right. That's cool. And then why did you end up selling or deciding to sell? Was it always the goal?
0: I think, um, you know, I I would say vaguely, yes, It was like sort of uh, this... Not super concrete, like oh, that'd be cool if we got acquired. Uh, mm-hmm. But we were really not looking for it. Okay. I think by the time um, I would say after 2015, we became cash flow positive. 2016, we became profitable, and then every single year since 2016, we grew double digit profitability and revenue. And so we became very profitable. We didn't raise a lot of money. In all, uh, we raised about two. Million dollars for the business and then became profitable, um, and most of you know the company was owned by insiders in the company, and so that makes us actually a very attractive target for private companies like that because they don't have to negotiate with VCs; they're negotiating with the founders. And so we would actually, I would say, um, probably every other week at least, we would get inbound interest wow. from a. Private company that said hey we want to buy your company um a lot of them were financial buyers which means that they're buying because they see you're very profitable they Mm -hmm. can finance the acquisition through debt and you can service that debt uh really well while fueling you know service the debt but also fuel growth at the same time with your own cash flow and so Mm -hmm. we obviously recognize this and we're like well we can just do this ourselves we don't we don't need to we Mm -hmm. can continue growing ourselves faster. And so the multiples they were giving us on the business just wasn't that interesting for us. But then um, there was a company that came in, send me a text. One of the VPs there sent me a text message that was like, Hey, give me five minutes. I'll make it worth your time. And you know what? (laughs) He did worth our time. And they came in. uh, offer. Frankly, that was just um, higher than any that we had received. And um, they, said, hey, we're going to move really quickly. Uh, We really want you and uh, we are going to be having your software power all the existing screens. So they actually had already tons of screens. They had acquired a lot of companies in our space and they're like, we want to actually replace uh, all of that with yours. And that was super exciting for us to build something that we now know is going to now 10X joining uh, this company. So uh, now uh, Implug, the software we created uh, I think is one of the most, if not the most popularly uh, used digital signage software. And so we're really proud of that as a team. And it was a great return for our investors. Our, our angel investors who, you know, were the first ones, they got a 250X return. Like our angel wow. investor, if you invested 20K with us, um, then you got back $5 million. Wow,
1: that's amazing. That's so cool. Cool. Oh, this is great And so <laughs>
0: because of, you know, we had this one exit, we're like, okay, now we know, now we're going to do research so my same co-founder and I, uh, we said, all right, we're going to start the next company together as well, because we love working okay. with each other and we know each other really well.
1: So now with Blaze, it's only the two of you?
0: Uh, it's three of us, uh, three okay. co-founders, but we already have a team of 13, uh, also just going very uh, quickly. Um, and a lot of the folks uh, we had from our last company, they were you know, our top engineers and I joke. You don't really know if you're a good leader until you start the next company and see if people will still join you from yes. the last company. And so uh, yeah. we were Fully really happy
1: followed, which is good, right? Yes. <laughs> no, good yes. And then, okay, so you come from this. I mean, say you added technology to a this, to a, to, a, to an industry, right? But now you end up in in no code. So tell us a little bit more about what is Blaze we it build for? And especially how you came up with, with building this product, like coming from where, you, where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, so um, for Blaze.Tech, it was a product that we always wanted to have at our last company. At our last company, ultimately, I mean, we had teammates all over the world, offices all over the world, a lot of folks in sales, customer support, product managers, marketing managers. Now, these are all super talented people, and there's always an internal tool that they wanted, but our engineers, they were always focused on building the core product. We just didn't have the time um, to allocate to building these internal tools, even we, even though we know it's super important. Uh, for example, you know, our customer support person would say, I know exactly the tool I need. Just create something simple uh, to pull all of our HubSpot, you know, customer data so that when I'm responding to a support ticket from the customer, I can have a little bit of background. I just want that tool, you know, but that takes engineering resources. Another example is, you know, we wanted just a nice client portal that could be easily put together just to uh, track, you know, customers can go into track where their shipments are coming in um, right. and when they're going to, you know, receive the media player that, was, that had the Implex software on it. And so all there's just this whole list. of um, Our sales mm-hmm. team wanted just an easy dashboard to see the leads and how they compare to other sales folks. Um, and, you know, for HubSpot and Salesforce, there's a lot going on. And they just wanted yeah. a very simple dashboard that's right. very custom to what we need. And so... Were these
1: dashboards that they wanted, the data was coming just from one source or multiple sources?
0: Multiple sources. And so there's okay. places that they wanted to track, you know, Uh, For example, we use HubSpot as our CRM, but it didn't capture all the different information. And so we wanted something that's really custom to us, like almost even one company dashboard that had all the major teams' KPIs shared in one. Even things like that, again, takes engineers. And so for Blaze, when we started Blaze, it was, we want to solve all of that. We want to enable all of those folks to be able to build these tools without writing any code. And so we set out uh, to truly make it an interface that, If you are this entrepreneurial person, whether you are the entrepreneur yourself or you have entrepreneurial spirit and you work at a company and you can describe, or you can even like sort of sketch out the tool that Mm -hmm. you want, we want Mm -hmm. you to be able to build that in Blaze.
1: And when you had that idea, I mean, that idea started when you were, when you were still at the old company, uh, were you aware of no-code tools, let's say Zapier or or any other tools out there, or you came up with the idea and later on found the no-code space?
0: No, we use Zapier, we use Webflow, we love no-code tools, absolutely. And so, I think we uh, saw these. So you you, you thought that there was
1: a gap, or or there there was a need that wasn't met by current tools.
0: Yes, and so, like for example, our customers, a lot of them are coming in where you know Zapier is. If you wanted to connect two existing applications together, right? You're not creating a new application or a new interface. And so if you wanted to create a a client portal, your own custom inventory management system, something that's a bit more complex, uh, you would generally go use a developer. And so uh, even if you wanted to really customize, like I know there's no-code tools out there where, yeah, it's great if you want something uh, very templated, great. But for Blaze, it's that if you wanted very much to customize the look and feel and match your branding and build... um, essentially giving you all the tools that a developer would have to build the application, that's what we are capable of doing. Because, yeah, there's plenty of no-code tools. It's like, if you want to do customer onboarding, there's you know plenty of no-code tools that do that. If you want to climb, course, certainly there are different options. But if you truly wanted all of the custom capabilities as if you're like working with a the developer, then that's where uh, Blaze shines.
1: Right. How do you decide? I think something... For for no-code tools like Blaze and and Bubble, whatever, there's a fine line between functionality and power and making it simple for non-technical people to use it and build on top of it. And I've seen that in in a bunch of tools, that the more powerful they get, the more complex it is to build powerful things. How do you figure out that line? Uh, Like, you want to make something extremely robust but anyone can use it. How do you figure that that that, that out?
0: Yeah, I think that is where it, the magic is. That's really, I think, the strength of our product is making it such that you can do lots of advanced things while making it super super simple. Because we tried uh, Bubble, and I think they're an amazing company. Uh, but there's a huge learning curve. That's why yeah. mm-hmm. you know, a lot of folks will go hire somebody. Um, yes. to go build something for them in Bubble, right? And so we actually have a bunch of folks that are like, well, our clients, I can't tell them to go. I want to give them a client portal that they can go and edit themselves. And uh, and Bubble, I can't really do that. And so right. um, yeah. we'll have folks that you will know, we'll instead go build it on Blaze because it is so much simpler. It's the difference between, I think, you know, you have the WordPress and the Squarespace of the world, where it's just anyone can use it, right? right? Super simple, drag and drop. Taking all of that and distilling all of the logic and the advanced functionality into that kind of interface, and we tried lots of no-code and low-code tools out there, plenty of them, and it was it was fun because um, this is again, you know, both before we started Blaze and then uh, during to see, you know, if they've changed, and and I think. What's so important when you're building a platform like this is the initial infrastructure. How do you set up the infrastructure? Because this sets uh, the template and the premise uh, and the interface of how all of our future advanced features uh, get implemented by our users. And so as we're vi- revisiting some of the old no-code tools that we try, we're like, oh, I wonder if they, like, improved that logic to make it easier. And It's like, oh, no, they can't because that's mm. that was really the foundation of how they built it. Right. Like, yeah, oh, that is- yeah really complicated of like basically these charts and lines and it, it was for us um like confusing even for our engineers and for myself okay. i'm actually the non-technical person on the team so i am the perfect tester for oh. blaze and so i'm if i can't okay. build in blaze i immediately share right. it right back with our engineers so because that my founder is an engineer, so we definitely have that balance where she's like, "Oh, well, you know what that means is it just is pulling that ID from uh, that API." And I was like, "Nope, you have to say it in a different way and make the interface mm-hmm. so much simpler for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. so that I know how to grab certain elements mm-hmm. from that that API uh, because I am not a a programmer." Right. So it's I don't know what really you're talking about
1: right? balance. I yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was uh, we were speaking with a hopefully client, and we were checking out a bunch of different local tools, like robust tools, like Webflow and Bubble and others. Um, And there were some, let's say, basic things that you would think that pretty much any software would be able to do. And we're like, oh, we cannot do that in Bubble yet. Like users, you can't have a user's database in, in, in Webflow today. They announced it in November, they haven't launched it yet. And you're like, how is it possible that today, and especially after they've raised so much money, we still don't have users on Webflow, right? I and mean, it's probably related to the way it was built originally. And now they have, it takes a lot of time and effort and engineering hours to now build that functionality that sounds basic and that pretty much every single app has. So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, you're on the right track. Like it's important to think, and especially now that you can compare your idea to all of these other no code and low code platforms and see where the opportunities are in the, in the space.
0: It definitely helps to not be the first mover so that we could see, you know, here's why it doesn't work. Here's why our team couldn't use uh, Bubble. And again, I think Bubble's a great company. There's a lot of fantastic uh, things uh, things that can be built on Bubble. Uh, But similarly, the first thing that we needed was to be able to allow our clients to create lots of different users and the different users having different Mm -hmm. permissions, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. creating lots of client portals, inventory management, where... Again, every single person needs to have different access levels. And that's built in into, was literally in our MVP. It the had.
1: core product, right. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something that comes to mind that uh, I, I don't want to say struggle, but it's always on my mind, is this thing about, you You mentioned it earlier, like you don't want, like Bubble, <laughs> you need to hire a developer, freelancer agency to build something for you. Which probably, that's not how they started They didn't want that to happen, but then that ended up happening, right? Same with Glide and and Webflow, because their sales pitch is anyone can do it. But then in many cases, you end up hiring a third party uh, to build something for you, for your business. In many cases, because you don't have time or the knowledge, but also in many cases, because it's just complex. Do you think that Blaze will need that interface between the product and the end client, as in an agency or a freelancer, or... Do you always, like, are you trying to really get to the end user without having that intermediary helping the business to build a product?
0: So I am always a believer, even if something, I mean, people will still hire others to use Squarespace. So I want to make it so right. easy that agencies jump at the opportunity to build on um, right. Blaze because I think there is something very special about having somebody who is that visual marketing branding um Uh, you know genius to go and build something i think that's always and so we actually already work with lots of agencies who are like ah i'm just it's i'm spending too much time on bubble trying to build it for the client i want to use blaze and so i think there's always going to be that fantastic opportunity and so i like that a lot so for me it's the whether it is the end user or you're using an agency because i think there's again you know lots of value that an agency Mm -hmm. can provide uh you know, uh, I I want to make sure that Blaze stays really simple to use. Um, and I think about it like you know, even like posting social media. People will hire agencies to do that. Of course, it's super easy to you know take a photo yeah. and then you know. But there's a difference between you know something that looks mediocre. At the end of the day, it's still that design and the content that you're putting out. And so um, I mean, we love working with with agencies. So I don't think of it as a uh, or i think of it as an and okay. we like
1: okay. Okay. end
0: users and we like working with agencies
1: right the lace is a product that's for internal apps right or is or will it ever become or maybe it is now i don't know a it might be a client facing app but is it a b2c platform like a platform to build b2c apps like native apps eventually or not
0: so i would say we're really good at internal applications and tools but we definitely have folks that are building products on our site that are the actual product they'll give to, okay. to clients, for example. Like user-facing? Right. Yes, yeah, very much user-facing. I mean, we have one where um, they are a company that enriches LinkedIn data. So you basically uh, input all the different uh, people's LinkedIn profile URLs, and then it spits out all the additional details about that person with their email, their primary email, their A personal email where they worked on before data that you otherwise couldn't see unless you had like a first or second degree connection with them. So that's like a tool and it's all built up, you know, um, in Blaze, the interfaces on Blaze, of course, they've created APIs that call different things, but they use Blaze to then connect all the information together and have basically the, the actual tool, the only tool that the customer really sees. And so mm-hmm. we definitely have that, although you know, we were not intending, but I would say that's a testament right. to the powering capability of Blaze. Uh, our focus still is you know, the admin panels for people to use, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. able to augment their Salesforce or Marketo or MailChimp information into custom dashboards.
1: Right. And how do you do your go-to-market your, uh, strategy? Because something, at least that we struggle at the agency, is that unlike a software or a specific tool? I mean, people look for uh, like an email client, let's say. I mean, probably nobody looks for client email anymore, an uh, email client anymore. But in your case, when you're building or when you can build very custom solutions to your platform, how do you get users, right? Because at least we have clients, let's say, in you know, the healthcare industry, and they are looking for a very custom solution for an internal, uh, let's say, an Internal app that manages their billing, right at, at a small healthcare facility. So there is not a software that does that. So the 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 like it's hard to do SEO for these topics when they're very generic. They just want to build something custom for themselves. There's nothing to compare it with. How do you get clients? Are you going? Are you doing direct sales or are you uh, leveraging SEO? What do you think works best?
0: Yeah. So right now you're looking at the only salesperson in the company. And even for <laughs> me, um, I'm not doing any outbound sales. It's actually all been inbound. Um, and I think we have just some fantastic um, organic uh, leads come in. And so how are they okay. discovering us? And so I you know, will post uh, things on my LinkedIn. I, I did one LinkedIn post when we launched our product. And we just got so many signups and I think a lot of word of wow. mouth um, just uh, both on you know, Reddit, and there was a TikTok video that talked about us, and that kind of went, okay. you know, a little viral. And so that generated a lot of interest. And I think what's special about Blaze is you can create tools that sometimes are almost like so basic that there's no standalone company that can survive on just like doing a no code of that. And Blaze is sort of like perfect. And at the same time, um, there is, Uh, Blaze is this perfect one where if you have a use case that's so specific to you, it's hard to find one that also fulfills. And so I think we get a a lot of these types of use cases where it's the, well, I'm trying to combine billing with uh, having a client portal that shows all the strategy with a task manager that our uh, clients can go in and they can even edit, you know, the tasks and see which account managers on them, you know, edit if they need to add notes to the task. Um, and so that's been super popular, which is, you know, taking Airtable, like right now, a lot of task management is tracked in Airtable and then putting it in a nice professional web application with your company's branding that, you know, shows and allows the client to edit all of this information. Um, and you can make sure that the client only sees theirs while on the back end for Airtable, you can see all the clients and you don't have to change your. It's just giving the clients this nicer interface, and so that's been also pretty popular.
1: Yeah, we've seen actually we've seen clients who their employees just hate working on spreadsheets, either Airtable, Google, whatever. But then you have the same data on a on a nice looking app, and then everybody comes in and works because they at least they just see the data that they're supposed to, and just a nicer interface. We are so used to using good looking apps that when it, Comes to work and you have to work in a spreadsheet. People are like, "Oh, this doesn't look nice." I'm, I'm uh, it's overwhelming. Maybe and then they build these apps on top of traditional databases, spreadsheets, and just the, the the user experience is so much better and people work better.
0: Exactly. And so for um, these applications, we've definitely just seen uh, for our clients' engagement with uh, their own clients, it has just increased right. because of it. Right.
1: So where can you, where can people learn more about Blaze? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn. Best
0: place, yes, best place is to go to www.blaze.tech uh, and then sign up and try Blaze.
1: Cool. Excellent. Nancy, thank you so much for being today with us.
0: Jesus, thanks so much for having me. This was fun.
1: Thank you. Take care.